It's time for Sounding Off with Phil Goff. Morena. Mayor Phil Goff, how are you this morning? Uh, Tamarie, Rachel, I'm very well, thanks. I, you know, just thinking about the wording of that song, my brain is vacant <laughs> space. <laughs> we all have days like that. We do. We absolutely do. Uh, let's start with some good news this morning. There's been a pay boost to bus drivers, uh, which is, I guess, reflective of the the industry sort of squeeze that we're seeing. Uh, there's not a lot of bus drivers at the moment. There's definitely a shortage. And so there has been $8 million spread across uh, the bus driver wages in time Makoto. Now, how's this come about? Obviously, it's great to see this. We also need to see maybe more consistency in this, and uh, we do need more bus drivers out there. So what's actually going on at the moment? Yeah, yeah, look, um, it was an 8% pay rise, which um, I think the, the Union uh, Assistant General Secretary described as a significant and meaningful pay rise. It's probably worth about 70 to 80 bucks a week more for our drivers. And it, and it was really important that we did that, and, and I need to stress that's only the first step. Um, why, why was it important? Well, first of all, it recognises uh, the importance of the job and the responsibilities that um, our drivers have. Uh, it's not an easy job to do, much easier probably driving a truck than driving a bus and, and having to deal with customers. But in, um, in really pragmatic terms, it also reflects we have a shortage of drivers and we need to pay them better and improve their conditions to deal with recruitment mm-hmm. and retention problems. Now, in the first instance, that the, the cost of that increase is being met by council, but we're looking at getting matching funds out of government and using those matching funds also to further uh, improve the the wages of bus drivers um, probably uh, hopefully before the end of the year and if not uh, certainly uh, early in the new year so they'll get another boost on top of that and that's a reflection we, we really need bus drivers to make sure we've got a public transport system that uh, is effective and reliable we've got to deal with the shortage problems we've got to deal with the problems the extra problems created through illness with mm-hmm. you know flu and covid um and if we want to get mode change you've got to have a public transport system that works really well and increasing bus drivers wages is an important step towards that so you've mentioned that the end of the year is a tentative goal for a second boost but the start of next year is maybe the the sort of pushed out deadline for that what what are i guess some of the hard timelines that are being worked towards um, well, it's a negotiating process between uh, the drivers' representatives and their union and, and council through Auckland Transport. And Auckland Transport then works with the contractors that run the bus services because we don't directly employ the bus drivers, uh, but we fund the services. And by providing extra funding that's tagged to increasing wages, um, we uh, we can make sure that the money goes in the right places. So um, we just need... Look, I, I'm sure the government will come to the party. They've signalled in in their budget document that they put money aside for improvement of uh, bus drivers' wages and conditions. I mean, one of the problems with conditions is that they often have split shifts, which means that they start early, then they have a a big gap in the middle of the day, and then they they have to go back to work again. And that doesn't make the job attractive in comparison to the other people Mm -hmm. that are competing for the people with the same skills, you know, like the the freight firms and, uh, you know, truck drivers, etc. So... um, 
it will happen. Uh, there'll probably be a second and, and maybe a third wage increase, uh, you know, with the goal of uh, getting the wages probably closer towards uh, $30 an hour than mm-hmm. where they were on uh, uh, $23.71 an hour before the latest increase. Well, it'll be good to good to see how that goes, and it is great to see an initial boost so far. Definitely uh, much needed in that space. Uh, let's talk about something we have been talking about for months now. This is the housing intensification plan for Tamaki Makoto. Now, on Thursday, there was a big vote, uh, which was kind of, I guess, the end of this first chapter around this intensification conversation. Majority of councillors did vote to move forward with the new zoning policies, although there have been, uh, I guess, concerns voiced from both sides of the conversation, particularly when it comes to this issue of special character areas. Now, what happens from here? What goes on now that we have this, I guess, greenlit as a policy? Yeah, okay. Well, look, um, the 4th of August meeting just finalised the process that we did most of the work for back in, uh, oh gosh, was July, I think, um, um, when we uh, we set out um, what the the government requires that we uh, intensify through our Auckland Unitary Plan, which is our plan rule book. And they require it in two spaces. Uh, one is to enable buildings of at least uh, of, of six storeys or more within walking distance of the Auckland city centre, uh, other metropolitan centres and around rapid transit stops. And I generally agree with that. We need more intensification. It needs to be done well. Um, the second requirement of government was that we enable more medium-density three-storey housing across most of residential Auckland, and I'm more sceptical about that policy because it allows intensification even where we don't have good bus services and um, where, where it's not appropriate, and it, in my view it doesn't uh, allow adequately for design standards such as um, you know daylight, privacy, a little bit of space for vegetation and uh, outdoor activities, etc., so what we did um, on uh, on uh, the 4th of August was just finalise that plan. We had already agreed that two-thirds of the areas covered by um, what's called the, um, um, the, the uh, special character areas, two-thirds of that will be protected. The third that is of lower quality will not be protected. And the idea of that is simply just to keep some of the heritage and the legacy of your city. Um, what we've added too is some other things that they need to take into account. For example, there are you wouldn't have intensification in areas that are prone to uh, hazards like flooding or coastal inundation. Uh, you wouldn't have intensification where you've got constraints from water supply and wastewater. Uh, you wouldn't have intensification in small communities of 5,000 and less, like Clark's Beach or um, you know Kawakawa Bay or whatever. So um, that all went through. Now, the next step um, is we've, we've put forward a proposal that meets, we think, the government's requirements, uh, and then we open it up for submissions. The submissions open on the 18th of August. Now, who, sub- who submits on this? Is that a general any, public? Any member of the public mm-hmm. can, can submit between the 18th of August and the 29th of September. Uh, people can make their submission through the council website, And those submissions are then considered by um, a group of experts called the Independent Hearing Panel, and they will make recommendations back to Council on whether they they, uh, recommend adopting the proposed Council changes or altering it in some ways. If 
council then agrees with what the independent hearing panel says, that's the end of the matter, and those changes enter right. into the rule book. Um, that will be uh, early next year. If we disagree with the independent uh, hearing panel, um, then that matter is finally determined simply by the Minister for the Environment and he imposes his views on the Council. So what we don't want to do is have central government making decisions that are appropriate for local government to do. You, do. do you feel so, like the decisions that the Council has come to so far are going to be widely accepted by central government? Do you feel there's going to be some contention there? Well, the important thing is that they're accepted by the independent hearing panel because it doesn't go back to central government um, unless there's a disagreement between council and the independent hearing panel. So we've made the changes in a way that is designed to meet the government's requirements for intensification, but at, at the same time, we have a local discretion over special qualifying matters uh, where there are areas that are exempt from intensification for some of the reasons that I've just spelt out. Well, let's come back to this one because it is going to be an ongoing conversation, but it is interesting to just keep track of where it's at. But some very cool news that's opening this weekend, uh, the walking and cycling bridge in Mangere. Tell us a wee bit about what's going to be happening this weekend. Yeah, well, it's uh, not this weekend. It'll be the official opening will be the 27th of August. I'm getting ahead of and, myself on the calendar here. <laughs> yeah. Um, and what it is, it's um, a, a new bridge over the Manukau Harbour connecting Mangari Bridge uh, community and Onihonga. Uh, it's $38 million worth of investment. And why was it necessary? Because if, um, if you know the old Mangari Bridge like I did, um, it was so Oh, it was over 100 years old. Uh, it was deteriorating. The concrete was peeling off and falling into the harbour. Uh, the, the, the steel reinforcing was rusting. They had a Bailey Bridge over it. They replaced that with the new Mungary Motorway Bridge. But in in a, I, I think it was a, a terrible mistake, they said, oh, the, the walkway, we'll, we'll just build a walkway under the motorway. And it, it's kind of... An area that people regard as being unsafe because mm -hmm. you're away from the community. It's it's also steep. It's not particularly accessible for people with uh, disabilities, etc. And that was okay for as long as you could continue to walk over the old deteriorating uh, uh, Mangari Bridge. But that that's now um, that that that's that the part of it that's not uh, a causeway. But the the bridge comes down. And it's replaced by this fantastic new bridge, almost finished. If you drive across the motorway or you, you're in Mangari Bridge or, or Onihonga, look at it. Beautiful design. Um, it, it connects, it, it creates a new cycling and walking connection between both those communities, but also uh, the, the Isthmus and the South. It's got things like fishing bays, so you can fish over the channel from the bridge, which has always been a popular uh, pastime on Mungaree Bridge. Mm -hmm. uh, it's got artwork that's been had input from the community and from Mana Whenua. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a really iconic asset for the future well, for these be, communities. It's going to be very exciting to see that one open up. Hopefully we'll get a bit of sunshine on that weekend so people can <laughs> yeah. experience it in the best way possible. Thank you for your time this morning, Mayor Phil Goff. We'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Take care. Thanks, Rachel, and I think we will have rained out all the rain in uh, July and the first part of August, and hopefully it will be fine for that occasion. Exactly. It'll be a great day. Okay, kakite, matewa. That was Sounding Off with Phil Goff. Thank you.